Yo, today's QOD is before we can be ourselves, we have to know ourselves. Here we go. Welcome back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton at SeanCroxton.com. We got Dan Millman back on the show. I think it's been years since we had Dan Millman on the show. It's always good stuff when we have him on, though. And, you know, if you were to ask me, what are the most important things you've discovered during your journey of personal development? I would say number one is how to deconstruct my negative self-talk to challenge it, and to prove that it's just wholly inaccurate, right? The negative stuff. But a close second place would go to discovering shadow theory and embracing my shadows. And Dan's going to talk a lot more about this in just a second. But what that means is, you know, there were a lot of parts of myself that I was trying to cut off. I didn't like them. I didn't want to see them. And I essentially just like submerged them underwater. I tried to drown them out. And, you know, when you when you, when you take a beach ball and you try to submerge it underwater, at some point, it's going to blast up, right, above the water. And we say to ourselves, like, oh, my gosh, that anger, that so wasn't me. Because that was a side of yourself that you were trying to cut off, but it was still there. And it's always going to be there. Like, in order to be a whole person, we have to accept all of the sides of ourselves, even if we don't like them. I used to try to cut off my anger side, but now I've accepted it. And I get to use that anger to fuel my work. I get to channel it differently. And that's so much more freeing than trying to cut it off. And another thing that I recognized when I started doing this work is who triggered me? And I got to look at the people who triggered me, and it was like, whatever it was that triggered me about them was something that I was trying to cut off in myself. And you know what? I recorded a similar episode about a year ago. And I had my editor change it. And this time I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to say it right. So people are often surprised that I'm not triggered by Donald Trump. Like for a lot of people, you just say the word Donald Trump and they just freak out, right? They're fully triggered. And I don't want to speak for those people, but I'll just speak for myself. The reason why Donald Trump does not trigger me And the reason why nobody really triggers me is because every trait that Donald Trump has that people dislike, I have too. I've got that. I can be reactive. I can be dishonest. I can be angry. All of that stuff I've got. So who am I to judge? Who am I to be triggered by that behavior When honestly, like, I do the same things. I've got that same stuff. And so it's just something to 
to think about and be challenged by. And it's an opportunity to discover the parts of yourself that you have been cutting off. And when you integrate them, when you accept them, as Dan's going to talk about in a second, it is one of the most freeing things ever. And it makes life so much easier and life so much better because you've embraced your shadow side. It's amazing. Like, I highly recommend it. Okay, I've said enough. I probably pissed off people with the Donald Trump part, but whatever. Whatever he's got, I've got. And whatever he's got, you've got as well. Dan Millman's coming up. Now we come to a place on the path to everyday enlightenment to the ninth gateway called Illuminate Your Shadow. This is an arena more puzzling and mysterious to many of us than the other gateways. Those of us who studied psychology and Carl Jung, we know something about the shadow, but not exactly what it is or how it manifests in our life or why it's important enough to be one of the 12 gateways. Let's do a brief assessment to help you start to consider this issue of your shadow. If someone offends or criticizes you, do you automatically defend yourself? How many times have you stolen or lied? Are you certain it's only that many? <laughs> do you sometimes feel resentful when it seems that you give more than you receive? Do you have some resentments about the mistakes your parents made? Do you do more for your spouse or partner than they do for you? Do you know yourself? Do you have good qualities? Do you also have bad qualities? I'm not using these in a sense of judgments on yourself, but more objectively, positive or negative qualities, ones that are more functional and less functional, kind, unkind, and so on. Name the two or three traits or behaviors of people, of other people, that bother you the most. Is there a part of you that might like to behave that way at least some of the time? I want to read a quote by a man named Harry Palmer. From the time of the ancient Brahmins of India, through the Greek and Roman civilizations, up to the modern deans of the human potential movement, one doctrine, though worded differently, has remained unchanged. It weaves its way in and out of every spiritual practice, every philosophy, and every self-help program. It is know thyself. Henry David Thoreau said, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could learn what I had to teach and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. 
before we can be ourselves, we have to know ourselves. When we were babies, we were whole. Most of us find babies charming, very young children. One reason we find them charming is because they're so authentic. They're real. What you see is what you get. Their emotions are right out there. No pretense, spontaneous, uninhibited. But in the process of growing up and being socialized, we became self-conscious and we developed values, different values, therefore different shadows. There were parts of us that we rejected, that we began to disown, cut off from ourselves and say, that's not me, I'm not like that. The shadow is not the dark side as in Darth Vader. The shadow are simply qualities, behaviors, traits, potentials. We have said, that's not part of me. For example, someone who grows up with liberal parents or in a pacifist household, they may grow up saying, I'm only good, moral, and peaceful. These kind of people scare me a little bit. I don't know about you. I'm wondering if next week they're going to be up on a clock tower somewhere sniping. You know, these serial killers, they always look back and they say, you know, they were so quiet. They were always so quiet. Someone who grows up in the inner city, in a gang, their shadow might be, I'm only tough. I'm not vulnerable, sensitive, because that's weak. So we have different shadows. And in not owning our shadow, and not becoming whole, and having, in being partial, this personality that's this but not that, we end up cutting off a lot of our power and our creativity. That's why we want to own our shadow, because when you begin to see your shadow and know it, you become more human. We become more compassionate, less resentful, and tend to be more grateful. It's not a method for becoming more grateful because we can't control how we feel. But we will tend to be more grateful and less resentful, much more compassionate. We begin to go through life saying, there but for the grace of God go I, instead of look at that jerk. How could they do a thing like that? Becoming whole does not mean acting in every kind of way. If there's a part of you that's sociopathic, as there is me, part of me is ruthless. I've seen that part of my shadow. I'd rather go, no, no, I'm not ruthless. That's not part of me. But I've seen that part. It doesn't mean I have to act ruthless, but it means I can take that positive germ of ruthlessness, which can be assertiveness, and use that. So don't be confused thinking when you become whole, you act in all these negative antisocial ways. No, in fact, you're less likely to act that way when you know that's a part of you. You can control it. If I find out there's a part of me that's very aggressive, I can use it in sports, in martial arts, in ping pong, in chess. You can work it out in constructive, positive ways rather than have it just kind of emerge, such as... Those people, the televangelists we've seen on television, some of them, who've said, I'm only moral. I am not a moral, lustful sinner. So they righteously preach on Sunday and go commit all those sins on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. 
And we've read about some of these people. That's an example of being so exaggerated on one side that they deny the other part, and it comes out in ways that don't work very well. I was reading Publishers Weekly the other day, and I noticed an article on an agent. Now, it's a job of an agent to get the best possible advance for the author. And they love auctions. When you have five or six or seven publishers all interested in the same book, you can say, well, what's your high bid? And you get a better price for the author and for the agent. What happened was there was an experienced agent known for high integrity who had three publishers who were going to bid on a book. She was excited about this auction for the author. And at the last minute, two of the publishers dropped and decided they were going to pass. They weren't going to bid on the book. So there was only one publisher left. She didn't tell that publisher that the other two had dropped. That's unethical. Agents shouldn't do that. Thinking that they were in an auction, they made a higher bid. They offered more money for the book than they normally would have if they knew they were the only publisher. This happens sometimes. The point I'm making here is, in the article she said, when she was caught, by the way, the publisher eventually communicated with the other publishers, found out they hadn't bid, and rejected the book. Said, we're not going to take the book on. But what she said was, and when this got public, what she had done, she said, from a part of me I didn't know existed, I just didn't tell the publisher about the other two who had dropped. From a part of me I didn't know existed. That does not absolve her of responsibility for her behavior. But it, ex it kind of explains, it explains what was going on. That was part of her shadow. I'm only honest with high integrity. There was a part of her that was not. If she had known that, she would have accounted for it. This is only one of many examples. Let me give you one closer to home. Have you, and this is a rhetorical question because I know the answer. Have you, at a point in your life, had a relationship difficulty, and during that difficulty you saw parts of yourself you weren't too crazy about? You just saw part of your shadow. And do you notice, having done that, it makes you a little more human, a little more realistic about yourself? You know yourself better. It's not pleasant. Seeing your shadow goes against maybe your values that you've been taught. I mean, there's a part of me that could rob and steal and lie. There's a part of me that's aggressive, that's not nice at all, that can be a jerk. When you've seen that, you go, yep, that is a part of me. I was teaching a seminar in Berkeley once. I gave a lecture, and some people were saying why they were there, and one young woman who was sitting near, up in the front, she said, I'm here because my boyfriend thinks you're full of crap. And I looked at her and I went, you know, that depends on what time of day you catch me. <laughs> Point is, I don't offend easily anymore. It's almost impossible to offend me because any name you could call me, I'd say, well, there is a part of me. Yeah, there is. Not because I'm just giving you, you know, a, a verbal Aikido or saying it because it sounds good, but because I've seen it. I've done enough work on the shadow. Yes, whatever you could call me, whether it's complimentary or not, there's a part of me that could be like that. I have qualities like that. I may not choose to animate them. So now if somebody says, you know, you're a jerk, I go, well, you know, some of the time I can be, but you're a very interesting person. When you start to see your shadow and become whole, you free up immense energy. Talk about energizing your body and your life. It takes a lot of energy 
to put up this false image we present to the world. Oh, what a nice lady. But she knows she's not always nice, isn't she? One lady I know did a lot of shadow work and she joined a ladies group called Bitches from Hell. <laughs> she loved it. Because that was a side of her she'd never brought out. You free up energy, you become more compassionate because you've seen those attributes in yourself. So one way to start to see your shadow is through relationship, in the mirror of relationship. Not just with a loved one, not just through problems and you lose face. You really find face, you don't lose it. You find another face and another and another. We have many faces, many sides, and that makes us powerful. but also through relationship, people who bother you. How many, have you been cut off in traffic by somebody? You feel angry, right? Immediately you remember when someone had done that, but do you remember as easily those times you cut someone else off? And be assured, you have. We go, oh, that's no big deal. That's the self-image, the self-serving image we've created for ourselves, what angels we are. That's what we need to cut through, to come to know ourselves. Sidney J. Harris once wrote, 90% of the world's woes come from people not knowing themselves, their abilities, their frailties, and even their real virtues. Most of us go almost all the way through life as complete strangers to ourselves, believing we know ourselves. Anne Sexton, in about seven words, or eight words, says it wonderfully. Once I was beautiful, now I am myself. Robert Frost wrote, something we were withholding made us weak until we found out it was ourselves. Mother Teresa once said, I had to look at my Hitler side before I could experience my Christ side. Carl Jung said, you meet yourself in a thousand disguises on the path of life. That was Dan Millman. His website is PeacefulWarrior.com. You can find today's talk on an audio program. You can find it at audible.com. It is called The Peaceful Warrior's Path to Everyday Enlightenment. So as an assignment for you, I challenge you to take out a piece of paper and write down the names of the people who trigger you the most. And from there, consider those traits and qualities about them that are triggering to you. And then look inside of you and find them within yourself. And what you'll find is that they're there, but you've been trying to cut them off. You've been trying to submerge them underwater like the beach ball. And every once in a while they come out, you're like, oh my gosh, that's not me. But I guarantee they're there. Now, I know some people are going to send me a DM or email me and be, be like, what about murderers and child molesters? Let's just, let's just not consider them right now. Let's just think about the people in your life that trigger you. Work off that list and you will discover a whole lot about yourself. And when you embrace those parts of you that you've been trying to cut off, life gets so much cooler. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Follow me on the Instagram at Sean Croxton, and I will see you tomorrow for Finance Friday. I'm out. Peace.